Hey guys, it's Dave Chang here, host of The Dave Chang Show. You might hear me on with Chris Yang, Noel Cornelio, and a host of other guests. We've been on air for quite some time now, and it's changed over the years. But one of the things we always try to talk about is what's delicious, how to be a better eater. And you might hear me rambling incoherently, contradicting myself every five minutes. We talk about some sports and culture and all kinds of other things, too. I think we're the, the most expert opinions you'll ever hear about anything. Check us out if you haven't before on the Ringer Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership, visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Recipe Club, where we debate the best way to cook the things you want to eat. My name is Chris Ying, and on today's episode, a tale as old as time. What's a person to do when you've got nothing but old bread or rice and not enough meat to go around? The same thing everybody does. Hack it all up, mix it together, and cook it. The meatloaf is fundamental. A dish forged in the crucible of necessity and frugality. You use breadcrumbs or really whatever starchy leftovers you have laying around to both fill out the loaf and simultaneously tenderize it. And in most parts of the country, meatloaf goes hand in hand with its life partner, ketchup, whose acidity acts as a foil to the richness of the loaf and whose sweetness makes it more palatable to children. You throw in some mashed potatoes and baby, you got Americana on a plate. But that's not the end of meatloaf's story. Some form of this dish exists almost everywhere people eat meat which you'll hear more about today when we play a quick round of the pronunciation beat. Anyway, American meatloaf is not just one thing either. Today's recipe, for instance, takes us into the Crescent City for a New Orleanian loaf. Recipe Club fan Judy Downs submitted our featured recipe this week, which she learned from her parents, who first adapted it from a cookbook by chef Paul Prudhomme. Prudhomme, for those who don't know, is one of our country's earliest celebrity chefs. With his huge personality and proud cooking style, he forced Cajun and Creole cuisine into the national conversation. He served at the helm of the legendary Commander's Palace in New Orleans before opening his own flagship restaurant, K. Paul's Louisiana Kitchen. Prudhomme was unmistakable, a 
except maybe for Dom DeLuise. He was distinctive, always dressed like he was going to Diddy's white party, bedecked in a chef coat and a clean flat cap. And as his health deteriorated in his later years, Prudhomme took to hosting TV shows sitting down, which I always thought was such a cold move. Seeing him on screen sauteing and chopping while perched in a chair strikes you as weird because he's making something look easy that the vast majority of people do not find to be so. By definition, cooking takes effort and energy to transform raw ingredients into cooked food. Flavor is the product of struggle, experimentation, effort, death, exile, slavery. Prudhomme's palette of Cajun and Creole flavors especially, the whole cuisine of New Orleans really is a testament to beauty emerging from difficulty. And this dude could conjure it without getting up. Our recipe today comes from the Big Easy, but don't be fooled. Meatloaf's origins lie with people striving to make the most of what they have. And while we at the club all find it a little bit tragic that Meatloaf has yet to infiltrate the halls of fine dining, there's something really noble about the work Meatloaf does. As we're about to hear from Judy, by the time this Cajun Meatloaf recipe reached us here at the club, it had already provided sustenance to multiple generations of her family. After our conversation, stay tuned to hear how Dave Chang, Rachel Kong, and myself fared with Judy's recipe. Cook along with us on the Major Domo Media Discord server. Send in your own recipes to the fixer at majordomomedia.com. And when you're done listening today, head on over to the Major Domo Media YouTube page to see how all the cooking unfolded in this episode and every episode from this season. Why don't you just tell me your name and what recipe you have brought to the recipe club? So my name is Judy Downs, and this recipe is for Cajun meatloaf. <laughs> and where does this recipe for Cajun meatloaf originate? So the funny thing is I talked to my grandma, who is like fifth generation New Orleanian today, and she'd never made this at all. So <laughs> it was something that my parents just, I think, found um my dad's from New Orleans, but I've lived in Iowa my whole life. He went to grad school here and never left. So I think in an effort to recreate some things from back home, um, they basically cooked their way through anything Paul Prudhomme ever wrote. Let me ask you about Paul Prudhomme, Mr. Mr. Prudhomme. I was trying to suss out how how Cajun this recipe is just as an outsider, as a, as a Californian trying to figure out are New Orleanians going to make fun of me for calling this a Cajun meatloaf. But you've got New Orleans pedigree. Was Paul Prudhomme like a respected figure in, in your household growing up? In my household, yes, if not a little bit campy. Um, he was always kind of this cartoon characterish figure for us. Um, but his cookbook is the basis of some of my, the most delicious meals I've ever had. So we respected him. Mm -hmm. And my family from New Orleans Definitely did. Uh, so what is the what is the best part of this meatloaf? Why why is it your gold standard meatloaf? The best part is the crunchy, crispy bits that happen around the end when you make it. It looks like it's burnt and it's super ugly, but <laughs> they're these like black points and and the bottom, it's all like syrupy and the it's the most delicious thing ever. It's kind of like it means that's the best part of making anything like this, right? It's like if you do a roast chicken or something, being able to eat the skin off of it, that's always my favorite thing while it's cooling down or like um, anything with pork fat and being able to eat 
just that yummy kind of bit. And this, the best part of this is, is that crunchy, delicious, Maillard reaction, I guess, bit around the edges. My parents would, when we made this growing up, they would sit, stand around the oven and just pick at it and eat it until we got it. When we basically got it sans crust, we got like the inside of the meatloaf because they would eat around in all these little bits. And so I think that that's, that's my favorite part. I, I'm not a huge meatloaf fan, but this is like, that's good. That's really, really, really yummy. So your, your parents practiced the, uh, the ancient art of the cook's bits. They, they took the best parts of the meatloaf for themselves, which, you know, that's, that's every parent's right. As a parent now to two young children, are you carrying on this practice of stealing away the crispy bits? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I, they don't appreciate it. They, I, I made this for them. I made it into meatballs. I put a little bit more breadcrumbs the other night and I took it out of the oven before it was as crunchy and, and brown as I like it. So it could cool down. So it was ready for them to eat. Well, mine got extra dark and crispy and yummy. So I, I hold true to that. And one day they will learn themselves. And that, that is a path for their future. <laughs> uh yeah, I, I I love that you took this meatloaf recipe and you've talked about you just turned into meatballs, but you also had like a really interesting proposal. You made this for your parents in a, in a different way. Can you talk about the the muffin tin strategy? Yeah, so I remember seeing those like lasagna and brownie pans that look like little mazes, and it's supposed to be for just the edges, which is ridiculous to buy something like that. But the edges of this are the best part, so I put them in muffin tins. And each person gets their own little meatloaf muffin. And it's amazing because the surface area ratio of surface area to inside is, is higher. So everyone gets more of that crunch. Um, and I made it for my parents. And I, you know, a lot of times I feel like when you cook for your parents, they have very high standards or their tastes are just set. At least that's how it is in our family. Mm -hmm. And I tend to, they tend to always think I put too much salt and stuff and I change things that don't need to be changed. And this one though is now, this is the, the muffin tin meatloaf is now the new standard recipe. So wow. pretty proud of that. <laughs> okay. So you have, uh, Dave making this, you've got me making this and you've got Rachel Kong making this. What are some pointers that maybe aren't in the instructions, some pitfalls to look out for any obstacles to meatloaf success? It's pretty wet. But so it feels it's so bad. It feels like messy and wrong and sloppy. And it has milk and ketchup in it and it just feels very gloopy. But it's, it's so good. It's so ugly though and I I think it would be fun to see someone make it and have it look a little bit better than what I do. All right. So your advice is when the going gets gloopy, just keep going. <laughs> through. <laughs> also, I, th I think the pork is, is different than maybe what I think a lot of people would do in all beef meatloaf. And I believe in ground pork. So I live in Iowa, so it's kind of hard not to, but I, I think that makes a difference too. I believe in ground pork too. And <laughs> ground pork believes in us. Okay. Thanks, Judy. Thank you. Hello, welcome to another episode of Recipe Club. I am David Chang, the co-host with Chris Ying, and we have the reigning champion, the official 
non-official reigning champion, <laughs> Rachel Kong, joining us today on episode Meatloaf. On the Meatloaf episode. I can't help but notice, Dave, that when you're facing Rachel Kong, you you refer to her as the reigning champion. But in other episodes, you mm-hmm. you refuse uh, to grant her the reigning champion status. Interesting. Yeah, well, that's just who I am. I, I, I talk poorly about people behind their backs, but I'm at least <laughs> honest about it. I'm a very unique individual in the sense that I will be honest to the person that I'm talking behind their back. Because when I see them face to face, I'm telling you, I'm talking poorly behind your back. So at least, you know, I mean, that only came out because that. Chris brought it up. So. Well, no, no, no. He says he's talking behind your back, but he's also talking about it on a podcast that goes out everywhere. That right. You and that I do to. listen to. <laughs> so he's not talking behind your back. He's talking to your face on, de- on delay. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, meatloaf is on the Mount Rushmore of American food, but meatloaf is a global phenomenon. And I thought we could play a quick round of the pronunciation B here on mm, Recipe Club. Dude. I like it. I like it. <laughs> I don't like this. Rachel's unhappy. I have found uh, a variety of European meatloaves with amazing spellings in a variety of languages. And I thought before we could start, we dive into meatloaf any deeper. I thought we could spend a little time exploring other meatloaves of the world. <laughs> the way the pronunciation B is played for those who haven't heard this on the Dave Chang show, I will pop a little name of a meatloaf into our, our Zoom chat here for all of us to see. And then we will take turns pronouncing this thing as best we can. Those who aren't pronouncing will take their headphones off so they can't cheat. They can't hear what everybody else is saying. And then Sasha, our producer, will play the canonical version of, of the pronunciation as, as produced by Google Translate. Dave, I think you should be up first, and I think we should go to the Netherlands, where, according to Wikipedia, the Netherlands, the Dutch version of meatloaf, uh, can be eaten warm or cold. <laughs> and this is the only description they have of the, of the Dutch meatloaf. And here's how it's spelled. G-E-H-A-K-T-B-R-O-O-D. So, Rachel, you and I will, will take off our headphones. <sighs> Okay. Dave is studying, studying very closely. And then Dave, give us a thumbs up when you, when you're ready. Okay. Gachtbrood. Rachel, you want to go second? Gachtbrood. <laughs> and uh, here's my attempt. Gachtbrood. Gachtbrood. Wow. He sounded wow. like a Star Trek character. <laughs> <laughs> Confidence is king. Sasha, play us the real pronunciation. Gehackbrot. And who's Fuck the closest? Who's, who's the, the closest? winner? Chris, maybe. Wait, what was what was Dave's? Yakbrood. <laughs> Yakbrood. <laughs> All right, is that my point? Do I get the point for that one? Amazing. Look at that. Holy shit. Where do you guys want to go? Finland, Belgium, Austria, or Denmark? Google Translate, motherfucker. You don't know shit. <laughs> They're out for you. Rachel, pick our next destination. Denmark. Denmark. Oh, God. The, the anti-language. Here's what Wikipedia has to say about Danish meatloaf. Danish meatloaf is called mock hare or ground meat bread and is usually made from a mixture of ground pork and beef with strips of bacon or cubed bacon on top. It is served mm-hmm. with boiled or mashed potatoes and brown gravy sweetened with red currant jam. And the sea buckthorn. 
with seaborn <laughs> and a bunch of ferments uh and, here's cloud, how and cloudberry preserves preserve cloudberries <laughs> okay let's go on rye bread uh here's how it's spelled f-a-r-s-b-r-o with a slash through it d i can go f- first if you guys want to go into your isolation booths oh gosh Fa- hmm. Farsbred. Here comes here comes uh Dave. Dave's gonna go. Farsbred. Farsbred. Oh, I like I like Farsbred. <laughs> I like it a lot. I like that a lot. I like that a lot. All right, Rachel, what do you got? Okay. I don't know. <laughs> of course you don't know. You're not supposed to know. Just try. Farsbrod. Ooh, good one. Oh, could be good. it. Could be it. Sasha, play that play that pronunciation. Farsbrod. Oh, I think Whoa. I won it. That's Dave. Fucking Dave. Pays off spending a lot of days in Denmark. <laughs> spending wow. too much time. All right, Dave. One more round here. Finland, Belgium, or Austria? Austria. Oh, good God. All right. <laughs> the Austrian version of meatloaf is translated to minced roast. Most of the time it is not filled, but is wrapped in ham before baking. Citation needed. Often it is served with mashed potatoes when warm or with Cumberland sauce when cold. Uh, bonus points to anybody who can tell me what Cumberland sauce is. Here's its spelling. F-A-S-C-H-I-E-R-T-E-R. Second word. B-R-A-T-E-N. Uh, I think, Rachel, you have not gone first yet, so we'll, we'll let you go first here. Farderbrotten. Dave, you want to go? Farderbrotten. Here's my attempt. Fascierterbraten. 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 What is he like? Fascierterbraten. What is Fascierterbraten? Austria. All right, Saka, what do we got? Fascierterbraten. Oh my God. I think I won. I think it was Chris. I think it was Chris. Fascierterbraten. Well, listen, I, I'm I'm so happy for Chris that you won because Rachel didn't win. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that that concludes our our pronunciation. Well, and, and that was our episode of Meatloaf. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> Give us five stars. How you rate this? Make sure you uh, get on the Discord for the recipe. We'll talk to you we guys did next it, week. Chris, we beat we beat <laughs> we, we beat finally her. beat Rachel at something. Did you guys grow up eating meatloaf? Did your parents no. make meatloaf? No. Never. No. Of any sort. Of any. What about you, Chris? The only meatloaf we had was, and I've talked about this on some podcasts before, but occasionally I would open the rice cooker, which oh, we used yeah. every night, and there would mm-hmm. be this like gray hockey puck of pork that had been steamed on top of the rice in a little pie tin with chopped Chinese pickles. And sometimes on bad days, my dad would have cracked like a, uh, Put a put a put a century egg in the middle of it, or a salty Oof. duck egg in the middle of it, which was always a little bit of a bummer. But you could eat around it. But that was my meatloaf. I didn't, you know, it was like very rubbery and like in a good way. Meat, that is that's not meatloaf. That is meatloaf. Do you what think? makes it not meatloaf? This is this is not uh, semantics. This is. I think we're talking about American meatloaf. Everything else is meatballs. Everything hmm. else is meatballs. I I. Uh, I don't know. I think I think it qualifies as meatloaf. I mean, we did occasionally have American meatloaf. We had, a, you know, like well, a just, super ketchup I'm just ketchup saying just from American meatloaf is a distinct thing. And anything else is, is like, you know, you could probably say lion's head is a meatloaf then. Loaf is right, the right. operative word here. Loaf is 
you know, can, oh, it's gotta be a loaf. I see what you're saying. You know what I mean? I think it's gotta it. be, I think the loaf is what defines it. Yes. It's gotta be a loaf. Yeah. I kind of agree with Dave in that like, Oh my God, yeah. what is happening? The, the the world. That... <laughs> world is nice. Oh Dave my God. is very <laughs> combative today. Um, Chris, I had that thing too, you know, like that, that steamed pork thing that we would have with rice. My mom, uh, my grandma would make it all the time. And it was like really more eggy than hmm. porky, you know? And I think that's kind of like the just distinction to me is like American meatloaf shaped like a loaf, I guess, in most cases. And it's meant to be sort of like the main attraction, right? Like that's like the main meal. Whereas like these other things like lion's head, which I also, you know, am more accustomed to eating growing up, they're meant to like eat with rice or something, right? Or like eat with noodles or whatever. And something that feels like distinctly American is like, here's a bunch of meat <laughs> pressed into a loaf and like yeah. this is the main thing that you eat and I kind of didn't even know what to eat with it you know like I could sort of only think of like those like sort of classic frozen you know like peas and corn or whatever maybe like potatoes I boiled some potatoes Chang, are you a potato or a sandwich man well sandwich man is only after you've eaten it hot yeah right? exactly so yeah so initially it's a potatoes for sure are you a potato man I think I'm, I, I wouldn't never make the sandwich right off the bat, but my father-in-law, when we're all eating with potatoes, he goes to the fridge and he gets out a piece of bread and he makes himself wow. a sandwich. So he's a fresh meatloaf sandwich guy, hmm. which is crazy. Really? He's just eating a hamburger. He's just eating a hamburger. Really? Right. It's gotta be cold meatloaf in the sandwich. I think that's mm -hmm. the defining thing. Lots of mayonnaise with that ketchup. You can heat that up. But I, for me, the distinguishing factor why American meatloaf is different, not just because it's baked in a pan, right? And whatever the history is, clearly it was to just stretch something out. I don't know. Is the history of meatloaf, does it originate in America pre-ketchup? Yeah. I, think I don't it's think you can have what makes American meatloaf so different than every other meatloaf out there. Apologies, cloudberries and, and, and stuff. Cumberland it's ketchup. Sea buckthorn. Yeah, sea buckthorn. Yeah, buck it's ketchup. Ketchup is what makes yeah. American meatloaf American meatloaf. Agree. Agree. Yeah. And we'll get into that with this recipe because that's a that's a, a big question mark around this recipe, I think, was is the is the role of ketchup. But one other thing I want to talk about in general about meatloaf, because what we've been talking about here is all home cooking. Like meatloaf's domain is the home. And I was looking at the uh, Oxford Companion to Food, and they have this entry on meatloaf that's very short. And it has this kind of like a little bit of a, a rude last sentence, a very concise sentence that says, meatloaf's range, however, does not extend into the realm of oat cuisine. Now, David Chang, you've, you've done everything you can to kind of try to change that, right? Like, do you think that the meatloaf is too well, what, low class for restaurants? A, a terrine is a meatloaf. Mm-hmm. No, I, I think meatloaf will eventually make its way. And I, I'm sure you could probably do a lot of different things, truffle stud it, a variety of ways of serving it. I've tried to encourage my team to put a large format meatloaf on one of our menus because it's just one of those things that I would order and I know people enjoy. And when you have a good meatloaf and there's a lot of crunchy bits Mm -hmm. on the side and it's nice you have the textural contrast as well i think that's a really important thing about a meatloaf the outside shell needs to be like a candy coating almost right every bit on the outside has that mm. almost 
burnt caramel chewiness to it. Then you have the, the, the moist, you know, meat bread component, right? <laughs> meat and that's bread. what I think is like the best. You get that every piece of meatloaf should have at least a slice of the exterior. That's what makes it so fantastic. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's got all, it's, you know, it's balanced. It has sweet. It's got umami. It's, it's, it's just very, very good. So I don't, I never made it until, you know, I started cooking at home, you know, when Hugo, you know, Grace was expecting our first kid. So that's a, a whole new thing. And they, I don't even know if I ever made it for family meal because, you know, you could put it in a third pan, I guess, but that's a lot. And I think you can just, I've made, I've made meatloaves in hotel pans. You just sheet it out almost. Hmm. But at some point when you have a giant sheet of meat, it's sort of not nice to look at. <laughs> at some point when you have a giant sheet of meat, it's not nice to look at. Yeah. I, I mean, think that's that kind of the true. thing. It's I've never like, I don't think I've ever seen like a beautiful meatloaf. Like, you know, that it's going to be delicious, especially if it has all those things that Dave's talking about, like the kind of crusty outside but it's not like, oh my God, this is a beautiful dish. <laughs> it's yeah. always just kind of like a brown mass. Right. Which gets us into our, our submission here because uh, our, our fan submitted recipe comes from Judy Downs, who lives in Iowa. And she, she cops to the fact right off the bat that this is one ugly ass thing, <laughs> this, this meatloaf she had submitted. And, you know, another thing, you know, Dave brought up a good point, like ketchup is quintessential. To American meatloaf, the formula doesn't change much even beyond that, though. You know, it's meat, it's breadcrumbs, it's some aromatics, and then that's it. So we were drawn to this one because Judy brought us a recipe for Paul Prudhomme's Cajun meatloaf, uh, which she has adapted through multiple generations of her family, her New Orleanian family cooking. She says, the combination of the Cajun flavor with a pretty traditional meatloaf recipe makes this my standard for what meatloaf is. Anything else is just boring. The basic description of this dish is it's a pork meatloaf. It's what you expect. It's ground pork, bay leaves, salt, paprika, black pepper, white pepper, cumin, uh, nutmeg, and then the holy trinity of Cajun cuisine, onion, bell pepper, and celery, some garlic, some uh, scallions, Tabasco, Worcestershire, milk, ketchup, panko, free-formed on the sheet pan into a meatloaf, and then baked. She says that the dish, when it's done, looks like brains. I put mine in a pan. I put mine in a pan, so it didn't oh, look did, like you, a brain. You avoided the brain thing. I was going to ask I mean, you. I just was feeling nervous about how... Mine was so wet. We can get into that, but... Well, let me ask you this before we get into it. Where are you guys on eating regular brains? Do you guys like brains? Hmm, not really, I guess. Chang, are you a brain guy? Even in Armageddon, where I'm trying to... <laughs> Fight for survival, I will pass yeah. on brains. I'd rather eat jellyfish <laughs> in the apocalypse. Oh my God. You know, there's many <laughs> things I would eat over brains. When there's no food on earth, I will still find something else to eat. <laughs> in the in the Chang wasteland, you'll see all these devoured bodies with their brains fully intact. With the brains still there? <laughs> because that's, when I'll, that's when I'll just eat my stash of Milky Ways. <laughs> <laughs> well, Chris, do you eat brains? You could hang out with Chang and then... You'll oh, have yeah, a perfect I mean, parent. I, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'll adapt. If they're just bodies with brains everywhere, I'll, I'll subsist on brains. I guess. Now I don't know brains. There's like, there's, there's definitely something. I don't know if it's like mm, psychological, but there's mm-hmm. a hurdle to eating brains. 
And then the texture is just like too creamy to go with the fact that you're eating it's hot magma. That's what it is. <laughs> it's so hot. It's just, yeah, it feels too much. It retains heat at an extraordinary oh. level. And it just, I, again, I, if you've ever cooked brains, I have, it is just defies physics. I don't understand. What kind of brains did you cook? I've cooked calf brains before. Yeah. You know, I definitely tasted it, but it's not something I'm like, I want to cook again. Yeah, this is probably... It's, <laughs> small-minded no pun intended but it's like it feels too much like you're eating the thing that you're eating you know what i mean it's like this is brains and you're eating a brain it's not making me smarter (laughs) (laughs) it could be we're all missing out this episode is brought to you by thomas's thomas's presents pondering the bagel with tom Oh, the paradox of the bagel. Tis crunchy yet soft. Tis filling yet has a hole. Tis a vehicle for spreads, but only travels from toaster to plate. Thomas's huzzah, a toast to breakfast. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. All right. So let's talk about this recipe. What do you guys think of when you first hear the term Cajun as a descriptor for a dish or a flavor? Bam. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Lagasse comes to mind. Let's kick it up a notch. (laughs) Bam. That's what I think. I guess I think of Popeye's on those little packets. Yeah, the Cajun sparkle. Yeah, the Cajun sparkle. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I feel like both of those things are are on the nose. Like Cajun has gets like a little Disney-fied, right? Like it's a little bit of a cliche, even though it's a a very real regional American cuisine. Like Cajun is just blackened something or something with Tabasco. I think that Paul Prudhomme (laughs) gives it that kind of credibility, even though like. There's no history of meatloaf in, in Cajun cuisine, but I think like the defining things here are the fact that there's bell pepper, and actually I think Tabasco is the other thing that kind of makes it Cajun-y. So let's get into let's get into everybody's uh, experiences with this. Rachel, this is your this is your drafted recipe topic. Why don't you start us off with your experience of of making Judy Downs's Cajun mm, meatloaf by yeah. way of Paul Prudhomme? Well. I mean, I, I followed the instructions. I did, I, you know, cut up everything in the food processor, like she said, with like the grating attachment. 
Oh, you did? I did because that was in the recipe and I thought I'm going to follow this recipe. It created this very wet mixture, you know, of all the vegetables uh, grated mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. I put in a pan, like she said, mixed together all the aromatics with the spices and the meat and mushed it all together, shoved it in a pan. A loaf pan. A loaf pan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was like against against the recipe only because it was so wet that I thought this is not going to really survive the the loaf forming. And I was nervous about the loaf forming. Mm-hmm. I maybe overpacked the pan. And it was like splattering grease everywhere, fucked up my oven. <laughs> um, and <laughs> yeah, I mean, I took it out. It didn't... It didn't have that crust that, you know, that Dave's talking about. And it didn't, um, it didn't brown as much as I think G's picture depicted. There was a picture that came with the recipe, I think. And it was like this very gnarly brain looking thing with all these burnt spots and brown spots. And mine just like didn't have that at all. It was like kind of lightly meat colored on top. Yours is a healthy brain. Yours was a healthy brain. It looked like a like whole wheat loaf of bread, you know? Yeah. And then I tried it. It was really like the flavors to me were really good. I liked how it tasted, but yeah, it was just really wet. Like it had the opposite problem of, I think a lot of meatloafs, which is that they're too dry. You know, this one was like super moist and wet, but like (laughs) almost like it was just like just hot and wet. That was like my main takeaway when I had a bite was like, this is hot and wet. And I think the flavors are good. Um, and we'll see how it goes into a meatloaf sandwich tomorrow, you know? Yeah. Wet, hot American meatloaf. Wet, hot American meatloaf. Yeah. And then the next day it was really good in a sandwich. I put some like muffaletta mix on top and mayo and when I cut into the loaf, like it wouldn't, it's still, I thought it would be more solidified, but it, was still very crumbly. And like, I Mm. think maybe I didn't mix it enough, even though I thought I mixed it like excessively. (laughs) Um, (laughs) There are these zones, you know, of like meat and breadcrumbs, maybe like it just kind of looked, it looked a little like a terrine, Dave, like, you know, like just like with little pockets of stuff um, and didn't have any like structural integrity really. But I thought it was delicious and like it crumbled. It wasn't really loafy, but that was fine with me in my Wow, your bar, you're describing something. You're just like, well, there were pockets of meat and not meat, and it crumbled, (laughs) and it was hot, wet, and hot, and uh, it was really good. (laughs) I really enjoyed it. I thought that, yeah, you know, like I thought, like the, um, I like meatloaf, you know, I like it as a thing, but I also like Cajun flavors, I guess, or just, you know, sort of like more spice and acidity and stuff. So that is kind of the addition to this you know, addition to meatloaf that I do appreciate. It's just like more, more spices and like more flavors and stuff. So did you cook yours entirely in the pan? You didn't take it out at any point and bake it outside the pan? No. Okay. Chang, how how much does this differ from how you normally make meatloaf? A lot, but I made it basically how I make meatloaf regardless. <laughs> I immediately deviated from the recipe. I had one concern though, not question. At no point did I understand where you put bay leaf in the recipe. That's a good question. Yeah, I just cooked it with the, I don't, I think the recipe that we were sent forgot the part about taking the bay leaves out, but it was like cooked with a spice mix, I think, and the onions and stuff at mm-hmm. the beginning. Right, Chris, did you do that? Yeah, I, I just, I sort of just sauteed the the aromatics with bay leaf and then tossed it out of there. That's what I did mm-hmm. with it. Did you end up using bay leaf? 
No, I just was like, I don't know where, where to put it. I don't know, normally put it. And I could mainly also because I didn't cook it in a pan. I cooked everything in the Thermomix. So I threw all the ingredients and I blended it up with a lot of oil and cooked it down and then added it. Not a lot of oil, but just enough. So I guess I could have put the bay leaf in there and then I mixed it with all the ingredients. Another thing that I changed was I used ground turkey instead of pork because that's what we had. Oh. And also because someone in my house is, is, has given up pork for Lent and I wasn't about to just give them this. But meatloaf, uh, what I do love about meatloaf is it can be anything. It could be pork. It could be beef. Most of the times I make meatloaf, it's beef. But we've been eating a lot more turkey in this house, especially after my visit to my cardiologist. So this is just oh, what no. I've been doing. Um, I'm turning 45 this year, guys. So I have, I have to eat like a fucking asshole now. It's the worst. <laughs> so we have ground turkey. And, and plus Gus likes it. We've been boiling it. Anyway, so we had it. I used it. Um, my initial reaction too, even though I eyed a lot of it, you know, it was just way too wet. Mm -hmm. You did your in a loaf pan too, too. Well, I put it in a third pan because of the only pan that I had, because the amount that you would have would never fit into a, like a loaf pan, right? Mm -hmm. It's just that that ratio is off or you're going to get what, what happens with Rachel because it expands. But Judy's mm -hmm. saying bake it free form, right? Like that's. Oh, I didn't even read that. I didn't even read that part. <laughs> Chris, did you do that? I freeformed mine. I think that what happened here between the Thermomix and between the grading of the vegetables, I, I think that they're I actually think that the the fatal flaw here is that part of it. Because if the you if you vegetables. like grate your vegetables or mince them, yeah. like they're gonna be so watery and wet. So I just diced all of mine. I didn't end up with a super wet mixture. I freeformed it onto a pan. It looked like a brain, it came out crunchy. But like oh. my overall thing was like, I missed the ketchup glaze. Mm -hmm. Like I just, I wanted it so much. Like I, I just, I can't have meatloaf without like a ton of ketchup on top. And it was just not here with this one. Mine also came out weirdly a little bit bitter. Did anybody's taste oh. bitter? Or was that just me burning my meatloaf? What? Mine wasn't why? bitter. Yeah. Why? <laughs> I don't Did know. you like bleed into it? I don't know why mine was a little bit bitter, <laughs> but it was a little bit bitter. I think you could have upped the Cajuniness of this whole yeah. thing too. Like you could have held more Tabasco. It was like diet Cajun. <laughs> it's Cajun light, right? Yeah. There was a lot of pepper, actually, weirdly. Mm -hmm. Like so much pepper. I was grinding for like hours, it felt like. Um, and then <laughs> yeah, and it just wasn't really spicy at all. I know she said she you could have added more. I wonder if like the thing it would have been good if it were like a ketchup Tabasco glaze, right? Yeah. And then like upping all the spices. Yeah. And I, I, I really, I think you have to chop the vegetables because it's, it's kind of nice to grate them all. Like just to, I think she was trying to simplify it for Dave, to be honest. <laughs> she said in the recipe, like trying to like reduce the number of steps so that Dave doesn't get angry. <laughs> can, can we be, can we just talk about that for one second? Like nearly every recipe submission we get has some, some comment to that nature, whether it's like, there's only two camps. It's one just like, ah, oh, I really try to cut out as many steps as possible for Dave and make this like 15 minutes. Or the other side is just like, ha ha, oh, like this one is 55 steps long. <laughs> and like requires a seven day drying like in your, in your yard. Like Dave's, Dave's attitude toward recipes has really shaped the kind of submissions we're getting here, it man. It really has. Yeah. It's so blowing up in my face. Now I feel bad. <laughs> 
You have a brand to uphold. I feel bad that I was being critical of a recipe that she tailored for my stupid ass. <laughs> She's like, this is a custom made recipe for Dave. No. Okay. What do you guys think generally? Okay. Let's imagine that the wet, the, the wetness is not an issue. Let's imagine that like you kind of went a little more freestyle with the Cajun spices and upped it to your liking. Do you guys think that meatloaf, American ketchup meatloaf is something that changing the flavors of changing the flavor profile of is desirable do you want a super cajun meatloaf i mean like when i was thinking about it if i was going to make it like a cajun cajun one i maybe i'd put in some tasso ham you know um i'd probably amp up the chili it needs it needs spice so i would probably take some of the milk out i think it was just too much milk there's so much milk too much milk. milk. I would probably get rid of the milk and just do eggs. I think the eggs would have given it enough moisture. I don't think it was because you're breaking down the cellulose structure of the vegetables when you're mincing it. And just think that I would rather do that for ease than add milk, right? You, you yeah. substitute milk for all the other liquid that's going to come out of the naturally in the ingredients. I think you'd be fine. And if anything, I'd probably just use one egg, not the two eggs, right? Mm-hmm. Just to see. And there's enough moisture in the egg. So that's what I would have done. And I would have amped up the Tabasco by a lot, right? Yeah. Um, and, and that's going to add some salt, vinegar, you know, it, it just rounded out more. And I think given it more of that Cajun New orleans type of vibe um, and make it less moist. That's what I would, would do. The moisture element to me is what made it not bad. Like it's meatloaf, but I think you could turn this into something that is extremely good. And I think because of the moisture, it's why uh, it doesn't brown. Mm-hmm. And the reason why you won't get it brown is by the time you do get it brown, the sugars in the, the ketchup and everything already brown. You need it to like, you need the browning, the Maillard reaction to like coincide with the cooking of the meat. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's like a nice, nice timeline for that. This one is by the time the meat gets cooked, you continue browning it. It's going to be burnt. And that's yeah. why the moisture screws up with that sort of nice dovetail moment. So yeah. there's my food science analysis. That's <laughs> <laughs> the food science corner with Thank with you, Dr. Harold Dave. McGee. <laughs> what happened? What? I don't know. I, I, what just happened? <laughs> I blacked out. I blacked out. No, you did a great job, man. You said cellular structure. You yeah. said Maillard reaction. You wow. did great. You did great. Wow. Rachel, do you want like let's let's imagine that Cajun meatloaf Dave just described. It's got tasso ham. It's got yeah. oh, uh, that sounds all so this. good. With like the crusty crust. I do want that. I think to your question, uh, Chris, like the, I don't feel any sort of, like, I think you're more classic when it comes to certain, like you want like that, the classic, like American dish, or you have this idea of like the white people dinner or whatever. Right. (laughs) And like, I don't really, I don't feel like American meatloaf is sacred, right? Like I like the ketchup crust. Like I've I've enjoyed it when I've had meatloaf. I think it's like a great thing to eat, but I don't feel like I really want meatloaf this specific way. And like, I won't ever deviate from that. And I think like, yeah, just the idea of a Cajun meatloaf to me is really exciting because it like takes this thing and makes it slightly more exciting and interesting. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I don't I don't feel like I have that thing of like, oh, there's this classic meatloaf in my mind, the platonic meatloaf. And I really want to aim for that. I just don't really care. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that for me, it was like 
I just can I, can uh, I just have an, a, a side note that we should introduce to our recipe club? What's yeah. that? In the podcast, we should all be given a word that we have to integrate in a proper way. <laughs> many times, right? <laughs> like if we day. just said platonic, that was an it would have been an amazing use. And we have to also judge who integrated it the best. <laughs> right, right. But it's actually got to be a word. It's got to be a word that you don't know the meaning of. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you have to try to use it properly in whatever context. And then we determine how you like it's Yeah. It's recipe club balderdash. I think that we should play that. And that would be good. I, again, Rachel kick my ass in this, but I think it'd be, I don't think so. Yeah, Rachel couldn't play cause we couldn't find a word that she doesn't know the meaning of right. <laughs> anyway. Sorry to interrupt. No, I just, you know, I, I was going to ask you though, Dave, like, so yours didn't end up crunchy or, or have like a cross. No, so all. I put, I baked, I, I, I put everything once I put the milk in the big metal bowl with the eggs and the breadcrumbs, I was like, mm-hmm. this is not going to work out it's as over. well as I'd like. Yeah. Um, but I was like, again, I followed all the recipe. I just didn't follow the steps. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It was like okay. a Quentin Tarantino film. I was just going, you know, a little bit here, all over, all over uh-huh. the, the timeline to, to <laughs> cobble together this loaf. Your meatloaf was in an untraditional way. Tarantino film. It was, it was, yeah, it was a pulp fiction. Not nonlinear. It's a nonlinear <laughs> meatloaf because there's there's a couple of things that Judy talked about that revolve around. Like she was she she submitted this recipe and, and I, I I had forgotten about the milk and that's you're right that's probably why it's so uh, wet and hot. But she had mentioned a couple of things because her favorite part about this meatloaf is the crunchy, nearly burnt bits. Like she makes special mention of this. She talks about something oh, that I thought was the amazing. Crun- you get the nearly burnt bits not much crunchy not crunchy you get the mm. mealy burnt bits mm-hmm. but she said she told in her in her telling of like eating this meatloaf as a kid that her her father would make she said that her parents before bringing the meatloaf out to the table would just basically stand around it on the stove and just like eat all of the crust off of this meatloaf which i feel like is a parent's right like the the cook's yeah. treats well, I would say the slide, the the loaf that I just sliced, the ends were crunchy, mm-hmm. enough crunchy, but there was a lot of burn, you know, yeah. to get it to that point, there was a lot of burn. Oh, you know why I'm, I didn't feel right. Just letting this be a blob. Yeah. I had to give it structure. I had to make, give it order. <laughs> All right. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, so I made it, I forced it into a, a, a loaf shape. Yeah. And then I, after it was took cooked. it out. Yeah, and I to form no, 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 it. No, no, no. Before I, it was cooked, he put it oh, in the third pan. Oh, God. He didn't I was force like, what the fuck? <laughs> I, I smashed it in and I cooked it at like 400 degrees to set it, right? And then I took it out. You inverted it onto, it onto it. a bigger oh. sheet. Yes. Okay. Oh. Like Top Gun. I, it was inverted. And then I. <laughs> like the MIG jet. <laughs> and then I glazed it oh. in ketchup. Oh, so you did the glaze. Then you got I the, the yeah. Because I didn't finish the end. Once I saw the ingredients and the steps, like um, I stopped reading the recipe. I mean, that's smart. I, when I saw when I saw half a cup of ketchup, I didn't know that it was only in it. I assumed that was like right, you know, for glazing as well. Did you ask Judy about the non-glazing ritual on this? She said, yeah. I mean, I was like, I, I kind of missed the ketchup, but she says that like the the way it comes out for her is just this crunchy thing. It doesn't need the the ketchup glaze on top, and she just eats the crunchy bits the other thing she talked about to like maximize crunchiness and i thought this was interesting she said that she makes this she made this for her parents and changed the way they make it because she makes little individual muffin tin meatloafs now to maximize crunchy surface area thoughts on that 
that sounded cute to me. I just didn't want to clean the muffin tin afterward, so I didn't do that. But I was thinking earlier, you know, I I wonder if she, I don't know if there was a glaze in the original recipe, but like, what if she left it out because she didn't want Dave to have to do an extra step? Mm. <laughs> All roads so. lead back to Dave's laziness. Man, I really, I really have ruined some lives <laughs> on this. <laughs> but I think. You know, I like the idea of the muffin tin and the, you know, like almost like a brownie or something where it's like you want the edges and then like inside is like hot and wet, but outside is crunchy and sweet. That just didn't happen for me. Um, And maybe it would happen if you did it Dave's way with the like inverted loaf or whatever. Or Chris, you got it pretty crunchy, right? Yeah, in theory, like baking a freeform meatloaf that's just like exposed to air and can and get crunchy all over is is interesting to me. Minus I, the I, wetness. I I agree though that like you know when I make a meatloaf, I do what Chang says. You know, you bake it in the loaf pan to set, and then you invert it onto a sheet tray, and then you get your your crust on it. It just it's, it tends to work out better. All right, final final words on on this recipe, Rachel. I think that. Um, the only way for you to win this season is to encourage people to make this recipe. Sounds like mm. you're you're fifty fifty on it. Although you said you liked it, you want to make one like more yeah. closing statement and entreaty to the to the Reg, recipe club fans out there to make this recipe. Well, I would say I I really like the flavors and concept of this recipe. I think we've talked about a lot of ways in which the recipe could be improved, and I think one of them is. Don't use a food processor. Just chop up your vegetables and sweat them in a pan and like don't um, make the mistake we did and, you know, create this watery mixture by adding a cup of milk. Like just do the do the vegetables the traditional way by chopping them and um, don't add the milk. And yeah, and you'll love it. (laughs) And add a glaze (laughs) if you want. Um, I feel like ketchup and Tabasco would be amazing. Oh my god. I'd like to see the full I'd like to see the full recipe without the 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 I'm an idiot Dave Chang version. <laughs> I think the original is actually a blend of pork and beef Judy said. Well, I think it was a mixture of like, you know, s- simplifying for Dave, but also just the way that the recipe like evolved in her family over the years, right? I'm going right? to point out a few things here. Yeah, this is Judy's family version of the Paul Prudhomme one. Let me let me point out, a, I've, I've got one of Chef Paul's meatloaf recipes online here. And let me point out a couple of interesting digressions that uh, might might speak to what we're talking about here. First of all, he does not use a food processor. He just calls for all of those aromatics to be finely chopped. Second of all, he calls for half a cup of not milk, but a half a cup of evaporated milk. Mm. that's smart i I would do that can i just say that is that's a fucking genius move (laughs) yeah do that (laughs) everyone do that and the uh the third big change here is that instead of a a bunch of seasonings he just calls for one tablespoon plus two teaspoons of paul purdue paul paul perdome's meat magic seasoning oh my god the man was a genius well played I think actually all those changes probably would have resolved a lot of the stuff we're talking about, honestly. But, you know, for a family recipe, it's plenty good. And I will say that the the one takeaway, the real genius takeaway on this is the evaporated milk. I mean, yeah. my brain, I wasn't, ex- this is why you do these things, quite frankly, right? You can <laughs> learn things that you would never expect because that's where the new innovation is going to come from. Places where you're having combination of ideas that should never have really gone together. 
I swear <laughs> to God, I never in my wildest dreams, give me a turn. They would have thought about putting evaporated milk in mm-hmm. a, a meat mixture, but it's goddamn genius. It really yes. is. So Beautiful. that's why I like this. You know, it's, you want that dairy flavor, but you don't want the moisture. And I think evaporated milk, it, all, making this recipe was worth it just to know that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I agree. That's a, that's a, that's a sick move. I really like that a lot. This is going to be the grossest video, don't you think? I was like trying to take video for <laughs> your YouTube channel and it was just disgusting. It was like really hard to record things with the iPhone with meat covered hands. And then the whole, <laughs> the whole process was just like mixing together the meat. Yeah. Squishing it around. It's disgusting. Yeah. I'm watching yep. mine right now. And I remember having to try to like emulsify this mixture with my four chubby fingers. And it's uh, still well mixed. I like, I, I mixed it like a, like a maniac. It was really yeah. gross. I spent a lot yeah. of time massaging this meat. Yeah. <laughs> um, just, all right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we will, <laughs> Jesus, we will post this recipe on our discord. Uh, I think we'll post both Judy's version and a link to, uh, Paul Prudhomme's version because of that evaporated milk hack. And, uh, Next week, we're back with Priya Krishna and John DeBerry as we cook canned beans. Rachel's going a little uh, writing. What, what do you call it? What are, what are you doing in a writing uh, retreat? Yeah, like an artist residency. She's doing an artist residency, wrapping up that that next novel, I hope. <laughs> better better finish this thing, Rachel. Yeah, um, but she'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> but she will be back next agent? month. <laughs> chasing you down i know you're just out there just spending your advance on liquor and women yeah, yeah. um and me you are gonna be back meat. next next month for your next recipe you still have five ingredients to choose from that you drafted you've got seaweed plantains wine hummus and spinach you want to choose where you go next uh i'm gonna choose wine oh nice thank god <laughs> all right so send in your sangria recipes oh, yeah, your what, sp- recipe no, what are the recipes? What are the parameters for this? Is it cooking or just imbibing? This is a drinking one. This is a cocktail one. Spritzes, sangrias, wine things. What are you shaking your head I'm about? So, I'm, so, I'm so happy. Yeah. <laughs> There's just... I needed, a, I needed so something to go my way this week, and that yeah. was it. Thank you. you. Need a, what, what Dave Chegg's saying is he needed a drink, and he got <laughs> one. <laughs> he got one. Uh <laughs> Make sure again you sign up for our YouTube or what do you sign up? You subscribe. You subscribe to our YouTube channel, Major Doma Media, where there's videos for all these things. You can see how wet and how hot these meatloafs really were. <laughs> Join our Discord where cooking is happening. People are making these recipes. The recipes appear. Sign up for the fixer newsletter, majordomamedia.com slash newsletter. And uh what else? Give us five stars. Leave send, a nice send me review. your wine recipes. Send those wine recipes. What are you looking for? What do you like in terms of a, a wine drink, a wine mixed drink? I, don't, I mean, I just something delicious and easy. Um, <laughs> and that, yeah, that surprises us and isn't hot, but is wet. <laughs> there you have it. Send in your not hot, but wet wine recipes to yeah. the fixer at majordomomedia.com. Uh, it, it, it can be any kind of wine, rice wine. Oh my Ooh, god! Look at this guy. Yeah. <laughs> look at sake. this guy. Sake, sake. sake. You know? 
Sakutini. Baiju? Baiju. Baiju is wine. I would be surprised if that wine Baiju is not wine. That's like a yeah. distilled liquor. wine. I mean, that's antifreeze. Yeah. Don't send like, in any. Please don't so send rice, rice wine counts. Yeah. All right. So that's your gasoline recipes. <laughs> yeah. Gas is expensive. Show us how to make it at home. Oh, yeah. All right. Cooker Cajun meatloaves. Send them in. Tell us how it goes. And uh, we'll see you all next time. <laughs>